When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. great bass and then a sub bass or a contrabass and then a contrabass is another size lower. Um, <laughs> so it depends on whether you're talking, the terminology gets really confusing and it is, and the same names can go for different things depending on whether you're talking about Renaissance consort recorders or like modern ensembles and depending on like sometimes they're used differently in German than in English or differently by different companies. Um, it gets kind of confusing. Yeah. So that's why they usually use, um, they usually use pitch notation. Like you might've seen bass in F with a little tick mark, a little apostrophe <laughs> that tells you which F that is. Um, right. So that's a little more specific. So another thing I looked up that I think is really cool and I was telling Andrew is that the, the like kind of earliest uh, of the of the important recorder composers, Jakob van Eyck, or one of the earliest um, and one of the more important of the co recorder composers, was blind from birth and worked as a bell caster. Yeah. So, like, I mean, at a time when 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 we have to assume that um, disability rights were in their infancy at best. Okay. Yeah, so Van Eyck, recorder is actually just a, basically a side gig for him. Hmm. He, was a, right. he was a carillon, he was a carillon player. I don't know if he did the actual physical casting. And I think he did come from an upper class or noble background. So it's not like he was, to, you know, a blind peasant. Any time you hear about a, a, a blind person actually doing something yeah. in that era, like John Milton, plenty of money. Yeah, it's suitable. I mean, but it's still it's it's very notable. It's still um, pretty cool. And he was and he was a he was an but he was an expert on carillon bells, and there's stories about him going to like different churches and doing things like stick his head inside the bell and like whistle or tap on the side or whatever and say, you know, oh, you need to take some off the side over here or you know you need to change you need to change it in this this way or that way. That's um, really cool. And his his main his main job was playing the carillon, and playing the recorder was just basically a side additional gig. It was his for the same church that he worked for, and it was 
like he got paid an extra stipend for entertaining the people in the church gardens on like you know certain evenings wow. and so he would play these um you know he would play popular tunes and improvise on them basically and um and these variations that are uh, that are like really famous standard recorder repertoire today um were he was famous for his you know playing in a church garden and so he worked with a publisher to write out basically through composed written out versions of what what otherwise is his own mm. uh, improvisation yeah. and he did have a certain amount of a fair amount of a real hand in making sure that what got written is what he meant but it's not really we call him a composer it's not really composition in the same way that like telemon fantasies are real compositions because it's really a written out version of something that otherwise would be improvised so you then could, you can you sell call it, it a concert to, recording sort of yeah i mean it's a little more like it's a little more like um you know like guitar enthusiasts might buy a book of Jimi hendrix guitar solos that have been transcribed uh, yeah okay. and that's I mean, and of course that is like, you can say that Jimi Hendrix wrote that, but it's not the same kind of thing. It's, right. it's really, um, and it's a little bit, um, it's not really, if you play Jimi Hendrix transcription out of a book, even if you play it really well, you're still not really doing what Jimi Hendrix did. <laughs> of course not. Um, Cause you're not setting but, the thing on fire at the end. Well, That's, that they had to invent a separate notation for that. Right. What is this setting thing on fire? I, I there is a there is a concert where Jimi Hendrix was high off his balls, and he finished he he ended a song by setting his guitar on fire. Oh, I need to look this up on YouTube. Well, I don't it's, know either. It it's I mean it, so if you were to transcribe that concert, you would have to come up with a separate instrumental notation to put in the staves. <laughs> for setting your instrument on fire. <laughs> Otherwise, how, like... Yeah, certain parts of the performance practice, we don't need to work that hard to emulate. <laughs> well, you don't have to work that hard to do it. You just get a bit of lighter fluid and a match. Yeah, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, no, but, but, the, um, but the thing about that, the book of, of Van Eyck, is that it is also a really good resource for learning that style of ornamentation and embellishment and improvisation in the same way that like if you want to learn to play you can you can sort of play more like Jimi Hendrix if you learn to play all of his licks and then make up your own in the same style mm. and people do that with Van Eyck too yeah well so everyone's eavesdropping now the listeners on this conversation um so welcome Emily <laughs> O'Brien um we're really excited to have you here. And uh, she's a professional recorder player. Um, and you also um, are a composer, is that correct? Not really, no. Okay. No. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, that part well, out. How I do some transcribing and arranging, but that's not, that's about well, it. Oh, transcribing and arranging. Okay. That's but how would, close to describe, how would you describe, if you had to say to someone on the street what your profession is? Um, I usually tell them that I have a double life mm. and um, and I'm a recorder player for one side of it and uh, 
and I make bags and instrument cases on the other side of it. Yeah, and what's so what's sad is people can't they won't be able to see this image. But can you describe what you're wearing right now? Um, well, I'm I'm talking to you from my from my sewing shop right now. Um, I'm in the middle of making a little uh, tool pack and a pair of matching panniers. So I've got my What's shopping for now. It's a side bag that you hang on the side of a of a rear rack on a bike to carry your stuff. All right, thank you. Oh wow. Because that's so, one of your avid activities, right? You're a long distance cyclist. Yeah. Right. So back so, so back is, to the description. This is what I've almost that's almost finished. You listeners can't see, but you guys can see it. Oh wow, that's really detailed. It's very yeah. yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. But, um, I'm seeing a bit of mesh and some very heavy duty um, synthetic cloth and a lot of there's a lot of bells and whistles. <laughs> yeah, and it's. Uh, oh, wow, a lot of clasps and studs and stuff like that to keep everything in place. Yeah, I would. So you I have would, these two lives that you describe, which yeah. do you feel like they intersect nicely or mesh well? If we're going to use that pun, I mean, good it's God, a, Andrew. You know, I have this. I have this second. Well, I um, I have this little manufacturing business that's an alternative to having lots of private students and it's got its good sides it's got its downsides but I work for myself and it's flexible so I can always work around rehearsals or concerts um, I can always make sure that I, I schedule in my practice time that's really important to me so I can um, you know I can set my schedule so that I can practice and work around what I need to work around um, it's more flexible than having lots of private students. Um, doesn't pay as much per hour, but I can more easily put in more hours at it. I don't know. It's a, it's a job. Yeah, yeah. I like making stuff. It is a yeah. job. So, and where um, are you coming from right now? From where you're recording, um, the city, so everyone knows uh, where you're based. Um, my uh, my shop, my sewing shop, is in Somerville, Massachusetts, and I live in Medford. Ah, okay. Yeah, so right outside Boston. Yep. Um, yeah, and Adam, do you want to explain how uh, Emily O'Brien came to us? This is yeah. This is the this is our our first cold call. Um, basically, I got into Emily's music on mostly on YouTube, um, and I was especially intrigued by the way that you were handling the pandemic. Um, and so I thought about it and I realized that you would be a great person for us to interview if you were up for it, because one of, one of our, um, one of the things that we like to do on this podcast is we like to talk to people who have unusual scholarly pursuits, or at least it's not that unusual, but like, we haven't yet talked to somebody, um, who was a conservatory student so here you are but also people who have creative approaches to getting their art or their craft out there during the pandemic and I would say your work is certainly that um, what Emily has been doing or one of the things that Emily has been doing is taking uh, madrigals and other pieces for recorder consort which is to say for a variety of 
recorders with different pitches and playing all the parts herself and then uploading a, a composite image. So it looks like an ensemble playing, but everybody has the same face, like in a horror movie. And <laughs> it's really, it's just, it's really beautiful. I mean, it's not that surprising that you have really good, um, that you have a really good ensemble dynamic with yourself and yourself and yourself. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, it is a pleasure to listen to. And it's, it's in, in some ways it's intriguing listening to a recorder ensemble. They already make re recorder ensembles out of the same, out of wood from the same tree to make, to, to, to make the sound as perfect as possible. But this is the next level, which is you, you make the players out of the same person. So, <laughs> so all of the artistic uh, decisions are coming from the same mind. It's, it's, it's really <laughs> intriguing, but, but most importantly, it, it sounds great. And it's, it's good for, um, it's good for listening to in a variety of circumstances from just listening to it by itself to listening to it as background music while well, it lifts, you know, and reading it's or doing push-ups or whatever. Right. It's getting, <laughs> it's getting you through the pandemic, which... I would say so. It's one of the things. And I like Emily when I, if you look up and we've attached in our interview notes, Emily's website, and you can access all of the YouTube videos. Um, I'll, I'll do the plugging for you, Emily. Emily came out with an album with her father called Songs From Home. Um, was that album, Emily, planned before the pandemic or is this something that came and sprung from the pandemic? Oh, this came out, this came out well before the pandemic. This, was, this came out about a year and a half ago. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I like that you described, um, Emily, your approach to the pandemic, which I'll just read it here because it made me laugh. The pandemic makes many things impossible, but I've been doing what I can online. So there's almost this like, this. there's this impossibility, but yet you're still able to deliver content. Um, and I know when we talked with you, you said, well, it's been really difficult to get concerts. Like your option really is either virtual concerts or doing some kind of socially distanced outdoor concert, which is difficult. Which is, yeah. In Boston yeah, I mean, in the that, winter. Yeah, recorder, recorder is not a great outdoor instrument in general for all kinds of reasons. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been really strange. Like I certainly have never, have not in my adult life gone this long without having gigs without having playing with other people without um without having some you know something um mm -hmm. and this is you know this is a crazy time for everyone mm -hmm. uh, for me i'm kind of trying to see the silver lining is that the multi-track video thing was something that i would always thought would be kind of fun and i'd like to play around with but it was never a high enough priority to really spend the time on it. And it is really pretty time consuming. Um, it really is time consuming. And so this has been an opportunity to, to spend the time on that um, since it's the closest thing I'm gonna get to ensemble playing for, you know, for a while. Um, I've also, I've had, I've had the time to spend on practicing some big solo piece projects. Mm. Um, and I have had some, um, I have had some online 
concerts. Um, you know, it, everything is, all of those, those things were uh, mainly things that would have been in person and that didn't happen, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, so the multi-track thing is something I really would like to keep doing more of. Um, I, I do, it does take a while in between things because even now I still have lots of other stuff going on. Um, and it really is time consuming, but it's very rewarding. It's a rewarding process. Um, so tell us a little bit about the process, if you don't mind. Sure. So what I've mostly been doing is I use an app called Acapella, which a lot of people are using for this. And that makes the technical side of it pretty quick and easy. Um, there are, you can get better sound quality if, and better video quality if you use um, more like real audio and video editing software. Um, what I like about using acapella is that it means that you don't, you really don't have to worry about syncing up the videos. You just have to worry about the way you want to play it. And to me, I would rather spend the time starting over and over again and trying lots of different ways of starting and approaching it and playing the music rather than spending the time messing around with syncing audio and video tracks and that kind of stuff. Um, so one thing that I've been really trying to do that's different from how a lot of people do this kind of thing is I'm trying to really avoid using click tracks and I'm trying to maintain the kind of flexibility that you have in timing when you play with a live ensemble. What's a click track? A click track is when you're essentially listening to a metronome that that doesn't come out in the final product in mm -hmm. the finished video but you listen to it to keep yourself on track so, but that means that and you're not completely rigid tied to it you can push and pull against a metronome a little bit mm. but it does um it does limit what you can do in terms of being flexible with timing and with tempo and with breathing and especially for these these um madrigals that i've put up these really are vocal pieces and they're very much driven by text. And, um, and if you listen to a good vocal ensemble perform them and perform pieces like that, the timing is not rigid and they might move forward or pull back depending on the affect in a certain spot or the, depending on what's happening in the words, or they might even just take a breath where everybody breathes together and that's a little bit out of time and time is just added for that breath. And I wanted to be able to maintain some of those things that really happen very much organically and without much thought or preparation with a live ensemble. And mm -hmm. if you use a click track, you can't do very much of that. You're kind of stuck with playing in a, in a box in a certain way. Um, you certainly can still play musically. It doesn't turn you into a robot. And there are some pieces where it's perfectly appropriate um, and where it works really well. But I wanted to find ways to maintain that flexibility that I would have if I was playing with people in real life. And that's one of the things that makes it really, really time consuming. Um, you have to really, really know 
what goes on in all the parts at all times and kind of keep it in your head all mm -hmm. at once, even while you're playing only one part at a time, so that if you know, oh, this next part has a particular entrance where I'm going to want to take a little bit more time and really place that next entrance note than in the part that I'm recording now, I have to leave space for that if it isn't there yet. Um, and all of these Renaissance pieces, the polyphony is written in such a way that all the parts really interact. Um, it's not a, it's not the kind of hierarchical texture mm. that um, that some other styles have. So you really need to have a kind of you have to have kind of your mental ensemble playing all the parts while you're only playing one of them. And then you have that one and you have to go back and play the next one with it and the next one with it and so forth. Mm -hmm. And as you add them on, um, you're always kind of reacting to what you see and what you hear. Um, so and to be clear, you are listening to the previous recordings yeah. as you layer yeah. on an additional track. But yes. when you make those, like, let's say you start with the bass. I guess it doesn't necessarily matter what you start with. Can we it does matter. Can we diagnose one of your videos? Yeah. For the listeners, that way they, as a way, you can map out your process for us. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. That's so a really good I'm idea. just going to play about 30 seconds or, yeah, of now is the month of Maying. Sure. Which, of course, you dropped in May. Uh, <laughs> which I love. Otherwise, how would we know what month it was? And then can you just, because I don't think I know how to pronounce it. What type of Renaissance consort recorders are they? Um, these are, uh, Praetorius is the model and the oh. maker is Francesco Livirghi. Okay. Okay, so we're going to play about 30 seconds of this. So everyone listening, um, you can have it in your head. Yeah, so, and there's everyone, when you go to the YouTube for this, we have the two top boxes, and then there's three under. So you have five tracks, right? Yeah. Okay. So how long did that take you to do all together? So I spent probably a week and a half on it, working on it every single morning. Um, and the way that I did it was basically every single morning I would start completely from scratch. Wow. And I'll call all of that, you know, that that's just practice, basically. Um, and I tried a bunch of different methods, tried starting from different places, starting with different parts. Um, the the text in this in this piece, the um, the first verse, which you just heard is now is the month of Maying when merry lads are playing, fa la 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 And then each with his bounty lass upon the greeny grass, fa la 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 la
The lyrics so, are so complicated. You get the. <laughs> so if you think about it, now is the month of Maying when merry lads are playing. Fa la la la. Well, what does fa la 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 mean? Well, we know that merry lads are playing. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Fa la 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 la. Yeah, it's so. It's it's playful and it's definitely it's definitely kind of suggestive, but not too specific. Mm -hmm. um, and so I wanted to make sure that there's that the falalas have kind of a light quality that reflects on what was just said in the in the actual words. Um, and all the, and there's three verses that are all different texts, so I, so the three verses are played a little bit differently. Um, so I started from using from starting from a different all the different parts I started from at some point with all of these things you know you think well if I start from this part then it makes this easy but then I haven't heard this other thing yet so it makes this other part hard what I ended up settling on was I started by making myself a conducting track so on the app you have five boxes and you click into each box and you record the video and you can listen and watch what you've done already so my first track was I, um, I made a video of myself conducting and singing. And then I recorded, and I forget which one, I think probably the first that I was singing the top line or maybe the second line while conducting. And then I filled in all of the boxes except for that, the one that was gonna be that part. And then at the end, I came in and overwrote that one track that I had been conducting on. Um, so that's that's how I did that's how I did that. And that means that I have kind of one track essentially is like the master track that where I had made the decisions about this is where I take time or this is where I take breaths and this is how this is gonna go. Um, there are each part does have a certain amount of independence too. Mm. Um, but that's but essentially it was like I was I was my own conductor, but the conductor is erased by the time the last part is recorded. So you made your own click track. In a way, yeah. And one, one of the things that I think is really um, interesting about that is that even though you're doing something that I've never done, which is play recorder professionally and record multiple tracks on top of each other, it there nevertheless is a sense of kinship here because I previously was a was a, a teacher of students whom I could see from from head to toe. It's it's a weird concept, but bear with me. There were these things called classrooms. <laughs> anyway, uh, the point is that I had to I <laughs> I had to switch to Zoom, right? And basically, I had to ask the question, the same question that it sounds like you're asking, which is how do I teach. How do I how do I practice my craft on your software, mm. right? And and how do I how do I make this work for me? So I started learning how to do Zoom. Not that that's massively complicated um, from a technological point of view, but it's certainly massively complicated uh, that I can't see my students' toes tapping when they're bored or their fingers drumming, or and I and I can't I can't make eye contact with them, so I can't be as sarcastic as I would usually prefer to be. Um, which has been a personal blow and things like that. So, um, plus I had to, I had to learn how to like submit it. They used to just hand me a piece of paper and I would look at it 
now they have to go to like Google Classroom or something like that. And Google Classroom is like is the go-between for yeah. handing in and, assignments. And I'm teaching online too. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's it definitely it definitely is is complicated. Um, and there are certain things that just that just take so much more preparation. Like this now is the month of May. This is a really famous madrigal that I've known for years and years and years and years. Mm. And um, and everybody knows it. And like, I could get my friends to come over and probably half the party could sing all the verses off the top of their head. I mean, this is a really well-known song that I've known for a long time. It's not super difficult. If I sat down with four friends, we could play it that well, you know, the first or second time around. Right. Maybe, maybe we would have to make, maybe we would just say, okay, this is what we're going to do differently in the second verse. And this is the third verse. And then we would just do it. Right. Um, but now it and, takes a week and a half. But now it takes a week and a half of making that, of making that happen because of all the things that would have been spontaneous, but kind of can't be. And, um, and the, and the teaching thing too, it just teaching big group activities um just takes so much more prep ahead of time anything yeah. that maybe you might have just sat down and demonstrated without thinking too hard about it now you have to have that prepared ahead yeah, of time yeah my heart my heart also goes out to you because you can't play accompaniment anymore right 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 I and mean, that's that, and that's massive. really yeah that's really challenging and there are some things that i'm working on I've I've found ways of getting around some of that. Um, of course, you know the student that I have that I wish the most I could play accompaniments for is because she's a relatively she's relatively beginner, um, but she actually doesn't even live in this area and doesn't ha live in areas where she doesn't have a recorder teacher near where she lives lives so even if it wasn't a pandemic i would be teaching her online anyway <laughs> um, Have you, but oh yeah I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad i'm not the only one i like i used to teach students who lived in my geographic area and so the assumption was you go online and you teach people that you still have still people you have networks with right and thus yeah. people who live for me in new york but my first two writing classes, one of them was students based in New York and New Jersey, and the other was students based in Dubai and Amman. Yeah. Where I can assure you, I have never been. Um, it's a bit of a longer commute. <laughs> and and it, it's just, I mean, it's down to the, to the people I work for who, I don't, but I don't know how they got them either. Um, so it's, it's, it's weird. The, the little like opportunities that w once, once everybody's going online anyway, yeah, it's nice to meet somebody from another place and, and compare notes and learn a little bit and so on. Yeah. And you know, this, this past summer, um, I ran a week of zoom events that were sort of, a I guess you could say consolation prize for <laughs> a summer a summer workshop that um, that obviously got canceled. Mm. Uh, this is this is early music week at Pinewoods, which is run by the Country Dance and Song Society, and this would have been my last year as program director of that mm. program. And obviously, Ouch. we couldn't run it as usual. 
So we had, um, so we put on a week of Zoom events, which were great. And they were really, they were really successful. And I think people had a great time. That's good. Um, and on the one hand, yeah, it's, it's a ton of work. We had a madrigal sing-along night, wow. if you can believe that. So I can. that, what that, re- what that involved is wrangling up a bunch of faculty to all record multi-tracked versions of madrigals so that no one person had to do a whole night's worth, but so that we would have enough to have all the parts covered of all of these pieces, which are all four or five parts. Mm-hmm. And um, send out the, the music to everybody and everybody can just sing along, play along from home. Of course, you can't hear them all. Everybody has to be muted because over Zoom, they would be all out of sync and it would be a, a disastrous cacophony. Um, but you can, and you can look through the, the little thumbnails on Zoom and pe- see people playing and singing and it was, and it was really wonderful. But it was, a, on the one hand, it was a ton of work. On the other hand, though, but between our whole week of events, we had people who would have not been able to make it to camp this year who were able to attend. We had people who probably would not have been able to make it to this program ever for one reason or another who were able to attend. Um, we brought in, you know, we brought in some new people who might, and you know, who had a good time and might come to camp in the future sometime. Um, my sister dropped in on our magical sing-along night and she's not likely to come to this program. So in that sense, it was really good. And, um, and I've, I had another workshop that I taught with a pianist that we co-taught and she lives in another state and we put on this thing together, both of us without leaving home. And we had people attend from all over the country and from several other countries. and again they all all the participants paid 20 or 30 bucks um for this thing that they would have never we would have never been able to have a that many people in the same room trying to do that activity Hmm. and b all of these people from all these different places able to join us um if you one of the things on my youtube channel is the bonnie cuckoo with a pianist that was one thing we did for that workshop um and uh so you know and that that is a silver lining where there's now all of this stuff that's so much more accessible to so many more people yeah Um, and and that's that's really great it's also really great that that people are paying you for this because like you said it's a lot of work and the the awkward thing about a musician that's not that dissimilar from an academic is that you would do what you do for free but you also have to eat and pay rent or mortgage and, and so on. Um, so, so it's, it's good that you're able to have these gigs and that you have like people who are willing to pay for the privilege because that's, yeah. that I think is something like a lot of people, it seems are having trouble making ends meet because they don't have, they don't, know how to make that jump to getting people to pay the money over over websites or they just don't have that kind of following yeah and that is that is really hard and that is something where you know i've been putting things up on my youtube channel i haven't worked that hard yet at figuring out how to make money from doing that mm-hmm. um although i definitely have some 
ideas and some thoughts about that and i and i uh am hoping to do more with it as i you know as things progress but that that is i think a really that is a really big issue in the arts in general and it was before the pandemic too mm -hmm. um, we're so used to having so much stuff at our fingertips for free and there and the mechanisms by which we pay for all of these little things one at a time are really not very well developed you know if you think wouldn't it be nice if every time you hear a song you like you could just you know toss click a button and it would pay the artist 25 cents yeah that's yeah. a nice that's a great idea but it costs 35 cents plus three percent to charge a credit card transaction and 35 cents is a flat fee and so you can't just pay somebody 25 cents um so there's and that and that's not the only problem so, so you're um, saying that the world's credit card companies have to catch up with the technology being implemented by new york subway I mean, buskers it's not only you know it's not only that if you if you look into how how much people get paid for streaming on spotify for example that's another that's another thing. I mean, you get you get paid this like absurdly, ridiculously tiny fraction of a cent for, per stream, um, and mostly we're used to these seamless, um, seamless, intuitive things that are largely ad supported, and that has its that has its problems. Mm -hmm. um, and this is and this predates the pandemic. Yeah, um, certainly does. I think, well, I think the use of tip jars and things like Patreon is uh, a positive development. Yeah. And you're thinking about doing a Patreon account, is that right, Emily? Yeah, I think at some point, um, I haven't decided exactly what, exactly how to format it. Usually with Patreon, you have kind of your, you essentially have your free content that you use to drive people to be patrons mm. for which they get some kind of bonus or paid content um and so then you're sort of committing to adding some amount on a regular on some sort of regular schedule um which is not a bad thing by any means um but i haven't decided yet how i want to how i want to do that how i want to structure it um and that's so that's a that's something I'm mulling over. I haven't really decided what I want to do. I may, um, one of the, one of my possible options is for any multi-track video, it's pretty easy to mute one part at a time and to put up a version that has each part muted so that if you want to play along at home, you can have like, you can have the alto part muted and you play the alto part along with the others. Oh, and wow. So that's something that, especially if you really miss playing with your friends during the pandemic, that's, you know, a, a way that you can sort of simulate that. But also it's something that you can, you can use to practice playing ensemble music to explore different ways of approaching it. Lots and lots of people are doing things like that and they all have different approaches. The way that I decide to play the month of May is not the same as the way somebody else plays it. So there's there certainly is a lot of benefit to being able to experience that piece in a lot of different as part of a lot of very different ensembles and also there are a lot of 
amateur musicians who live in places where they don't have a huge community of other people playing the same instrument at the same level. Right. And, um, and so this is another way that they can have ensemble music to play if they don't have an ensemble available. Yeah. And that also is something that we can still benefit from after the pandemic is over. Yeah, I mean, nobody's, nobody's, um, it's, it's, we hear horrible news about, about the pandemic every day, but it is going to be interesting for future historians to look into the archives that were created as a result of people suddenly needing to put into a, uh, a recording format, the things that they used to do in the free air, like, mm. uh, improvisatory musical performances like um teaching things like and i mean this this podcast is is in some ways a product of that yeah um that we used to have these conversations in person and now we're having them yeah but it would be the wires have gotten you here to long island emily (laughs) right and i just think about the podcast most of the people we've interviewed probably would not have been our first choices because it would have been a well. I guess it would have depended how much we knew about Zoom. Um, but no, it's it's that we would have been lazy and we wouldn't have looked around for people that we had never met to strike up a conversation with them like like we have. But now that now that now that distance is no obstacle and um. And we we've just we've we've broadened our thinking. Like I would really love to have a conversation with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, you don't feel limited by distance because you're not going to be in the same room anyway. So right, what difference exactly. does it make if they're down the street or on the other side of the world? Exactly. And we've yeah. we've done both. We've done down the street. Um, I mean, Andrew and I are within within driving distance of each other, and we've interviewed somebody in Hong Kong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I think we'll get some I think we'll get some lasting benefits from this. But so. we'll certainly get enough lasting uh negatives. Well, I yeah. think there's actually a lot of positives. Um and this but is really I, you know, but I think it's I think it's important to say though, especially for for artists and and especially for musicians, anybody that depends on large groups of people mm-hmm. in order yes. for the thing that they do to really to really happen the way that it normally does yeah. um this is a really really hard time and a lot yes. of arts organ some arts organizations are taking in donations to their relief funds and stuff and there certainly are relief grants out there but there also are arts organizations that are going under that are losing performance spaces there are performance spaces that um that for various financial reasons will not be available to us anymore after this is over. Um, This is, I I don't, I don't want to minimize the, uh, the negative effects of this too. This is, um, this is going to make it, this, a lot of, a lot of arts organizations and a lot of the ways that musicians earn their livelihood are not necessarily surviving this. Um, or will be drastically changed coming out the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of musicians that 
basically make their living on freelance performing are trying to figure out what to do right now. Um, or even people who have had side jobs in arts administration, you know, if you're not putting on your concert series, what do you need your arts administration for? Right. I actually know somebody who um, decided to go to business school because her job working for a performing venue got well, you know, sunk. And this was, this was already in like April. Yeah, because these places don't run on huge budgetary cushions. Yeah, there's not a there's not a big margin. Not every place has an endowment. Yeah. And well, places that do have an endowment are still not using them to help the people who need it most, yeah. which is which is a serious shame and something something well, that we should we should be I aware of. With, I work with the Whitman Birthplace MLA, so I work a lot with small museums. Uh -huh. And what they're doing is trying to rely on patronage and benefactors, right? But you can right. only rely on benefactors, like if you're calling out to the same people, those people are being called out by other local places and other performing arts venues, and they're going to be maxed out. Yeah, um, and I think there's also, you know, a lot of people, especially in March and April, mm -hmm. there really was a big outpouring of support. And, but I wonder as, a, as it drags on and as pandemic fatigue sets in and yeah. there's so many other crises to occupy people's attention, mm -hmm. um, it just, that is, that doesn't work forever. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a stopgap, um, yeah. but this is, this is not a long-term thing. I mean, the, the fact that there are, are now the prospect of actual vaccines coming on the coming to available in the somewhat predictable future i think that's you know that's a light at the end of the tunnel we can kind of see an end game now even if it's not going to be no, hope certainly yeah even if it's not going to be for a while um it's not we're not talking five years yeah well and i also don't think it's going to be the automatic fix that people are assuming it will be. I mean, the flu vaccine, which is, which is I think, comparable, is really only 80% effective. Well, and the flu vaccine is different every year. I mean, I don't think we need to get into the epidemiological parts of this right now. Yeah, we no, don't. No, 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 no. At least, that's way down. Yeah, but at least we can, let's not at least we can, yeah, let's not we can see an end game here. Um, I agree. This well, is, so, there is an end game. I mean, I, the major issue is, I think the three of us are all on board, that it would have been wonderful if the federal government had done a performing arts pandemic relief fund, right? I mean, yes. let's not hide the truth about- Well, that yeah, and, really nice. and certainly not only performing arts either. No, right. but right. All, all, of all of them. Sure, but especially those who are behind the scenes with all of this. Um, I'm tied into the Broadway community, and the, a lot of the issue is, the businesses that support that community, the dry cleaning businesses, the um, shops that house the props. I mean, there's a lot, all of this, the restaurants in Times Square. I mean, they all rely on each other. Um, but yeah, I think there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I agree with you in that case, Emily, and people are trying to be inventive um, right now. Um, I think, well, what gives you optimism right now? I mean, you said about the vaccine. Is there anything else that you think is 
No, what's keeping you going with performing? I mean, in terms of in terms of being of really believing that I can imagine a time and I can imagine maybe it not being that 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 long from now. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of imagining a time when like I will be performing with a bunch of people on a stage in front of a bunch of other people. Yeah. That's I mean, the vaccine is what makes me that what makes me think that there's any remotely near future where that happens yeah um or for the you know or the same with with running all these summer music festivals music workshops Mm -hmm. where a bunch of amateur musicians largely of a certain age get together in small rooms with professional coaches who teach them um and they all you know eat in dining halls together and stay in dorms and stuff again that's (laughs) This is this is something that didn't happen this year. This is my right. first year not teaching at any of these things for a long time. Um, so that's you know in my the thing that makes me able to really imagine that this can happen again yeah. in relatively near future. That's the vaccine. Um, mm-hmm. the, you know that I I do think that we are um, that we're creating a lot of a lot of content and a lot of things that will last and still be valuable after this is over. Yeah. The American Recorder Society has used some of their funds from donations to support recorder professionals mm. to pay recorder teachers to make these technique tip videos that are available to ARS members. And that'll be a great resource even after this is over. Mm-hmm. Um, I know another, I have another colleague who's started a regular series of webinars, which are then still, which are all recorded and then available on her website afterwards. That's and so she probably can still have a, a trickle of income stream, even from the things that are already over. Um, and people can always go and find those resources. Um, I have a series of workshops coming up myself that's along those lines. Oh, good. Um, and so that's so if you want to give us those links we will will append them to the podcast and then people can go and 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 find you and find your work and find yeah sure so my website is emilysdomain.org uh no apostrophe and (laughs) if you click on online workshops i have a series coming up on learning to memorize your music and um then i have another one that is not up there yet, but it will be pretty soon when we iron out the details. This will be another one on playing English country dance music. Oh, and we'll see what other things get added later. But um, so yeah, I have a question that's on a sort of on a on a different topic, which is I'm curious what your experience was just growing up and. Um, I know you played uh, multiple instruments as a child. I'm curious, like, what, um, what your, like, how often you had lessons, um, wh- who your musical influences were. Well, that's it for this week. Um, tune in next week to find out how Emily got to be the person she is today, her education and training and all the rest of it. It's, it's a really interesting story um 
I mean, we, we are not professional musicians, but we can appreciate the amount of effort that goes into playing in a way that sounds effortless. And we really leave our listeners on the edge of their sea, Adam. Yeah, I, <laughs> I want to include the next moment in this week's podcast because I think it's really funny and charming. But it's just, I mean, them's the breaks, no? Them's the breaks. So yeah, exactly. So thank you all, all for listening to uh, this week's installment of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Please remember to follow us on Twitter at Ivory Boiler Room. Please uh, join our Facebook group, the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Um, and consider if you have any sort of New Year's resolutions about getting some more writing done, about finishing a chapter, finishing a dissertation, finishing a novel, uh, what, whatever, whatever it is. Um, I know that my productivity has skyrocketed since Andrew and I started this writing group. And the same is true for a few of our other regulars as well. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think Benta's productivity has skyrocketed. I think she was already, I, th I think we're, we're coming up to her level rather than the other way around. I think that's true. Well, should I share the good news with our listeners, Adam? I would love for you to share the good news with our listeners. Okay, so when Adam's talking about productivity, I'm happy to share that I have finished my Whitman chapter that I've been working on, the first draft of it. So I'm now on to my second Whitman chapter. So <laughs> there is an actual tangible outcome of the writing group, which, again, to encourage our listeners, um, we're a podcast that you really have, you really can become a part of our, I call it now the support writing group um, that holds us all accountable, but it's a really exciting opportunity to get to meet people who are academics, creative writers, um, technical writers, um, side hustle writers, <laughs> right? And that we're from all different parts of the US, the world. I mean, just the people that we meet, Adam, it's... It's really great. Really, yeah, encouraging and exciting. So again, I'm gonna plug that writing group. Um, and it keeps us honest, and it keeps us productive, and it keeps Andrew cranking out those chapters. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it could, because, I am at every session, so um, <laughs> it holds me really accountable. <laughs> you really should take a day off. Well, we'll talk about that another time. We'll talk about that off air. <laughs> but yes, we're really um, also excited to plug um, Emily O'Brien's workshop that she just left all of you with, and on her website, in our episode notes, um, go to the online workshop sec section and you'll see her um, upcoming one is on January 10th from 4.30 to 5.30 um, p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's called um, uh, the Tuning Exercises Session in her uh, harmonic series uh, workshop. 
um, collection. So she's going to be discussing how to um, go through different exercises to help hear your own intonation and um, improve it in a piece of music. So like Adam said, we're not professional musicians, but what she does is fascinating. And if you are a musician, I, I can't recommend highly enough um, being under Emily's tutelage. Yeah. And if you're not, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to listen to her recordings without tapping my foot. It really is. It's, it's mm -hmm. infectiously cheerful. And part of the reason why I hang around Andrew is because I need a little bit of cheerful in my life these days. <laughs> yeah. And well, and reach that quota. Yeah. And I think um, I'll share the inside joke um, that in order for me to really get Adam's uh, optimism to shine through or on the flip side, creature. Yeah. On the flip side, though, also to get you um, a little irritated, let's just say there's a genre called disco that Adam is such a fan of. I will survive. <laughs> well, it's so great um, to enter the new year with you, Adam. Um, we're going on now uh, for uh, a few months, um, almost six months, since we first started talking about the podcast um, idea, which I can't believe it's uh, been that long. But yeah, welcome to season two, everyone. I know we've had a few episodes so far, but um, a healthy new year to everyone. Yeah. Take care of each other. Stay safe. Yes. Yes. And um, don't hold your breath too long for part two. It will be out soon. <laughs>